been preaching this thing called escape room, and, and, and I'm getting in your grill with it, okay? But the reason I'm doing that is trying to help us all out, to be able to overcome temptation, overcome things we get trapped in in life, all right? So last Sunday, I just, I just basically made this point, there is a way out. God is faithful. He always provides a way out of temptation, a way of escape. Now, you need to build your life in the safety zone. You need to build above the tsunami line that I talked about last week. And if you do that, it makes it a whole lot easier to escape temptation or escape issues you get bound in. But uh, nonetheless, we, we take the dumb pill sometimes. And we get involved in stuff, but God still is faithful to always bring us out if we just know the way out. Amen? So today I'm going to talk about the mind. And I, I, I thought about, I want to get into a few areas before we get out of this to actually uh, talk about certain things and how we can get out of those things. But I, I just couldn't go any further unless I talked about the mind. Because the battle is really won in the mind. When temptation comes, if you prepare your mind or you train your mind correctly, you can, you can get out of stuff that comes your way. All right? So let's begin. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The term reasonable there is very interesting. It's, it's the term logikos in the Greek, and it's, it's, it's using your mind. I know us Pentecostals don't like to talk about using the mind sometimes because, you know, we're so spirit-driven, which is a good thing. But, hey, having a redeemed mind means something. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. All this happens so that you may prove or discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Okay? So I'm going to talk about the renewed mind and how we prepare our minds to escape. Okay? Every great battle commander has a battle plan. Every great naval commander, army, marine commandant, they have battle plans, right? They work by the battle plans and... and they're never caught unprepared, supposedly. That's their goal. Never to be caught unprepared, but to have a battle plan. Well, shouldn't you and I have a battle plan? Shouldn't we have a battle plan to be able to fight the good fight of faith? That we've thought out some things and prepared ourselves and trained ourselves to be able to fight the good fight of faith? Amen? I want to give you three things here this morning, and there's, there's so much I feel so much power in this room right now. It's like I could have lit a match and it would have just exploded. And I don't think it's, we're backing down. We're just coming back, people coming back out of their caves. And not only that, spirit of revival, I think, is on this house. I felt the Lord speak it to me back uh, during COVID. I did one of the Wednesday night Bible studies, and I was the only person here locking up the doors. And I really felt the Lord say, get ready for what I'm getting ready to send to this church because I'm raising it back up out of this past year, right? And then, of course, May 16, Ted Shuttlesworth's coming with his tent. We're going to put his tent right on our, our property, and we're going to have Sunday through Friday, and, and then it's open-ended after that. We might have more, but it's just going to be great. 
teams out reaching in the city. He's bringing his own camera crew, his own worship team, his own. He, that's the way he operates. But it's just going to be a phenomenal thing. Amen. I've had people tell me even years ago in our congregation said, you know, Pastor, I saw in the spirit a tent on this property. And I thought, well, okay, I've done tent meetings, and I've been there, and I travel with tent preachers, but we have a nice air-conditioned building <laughs> right there, you know, just saying. <laughs> so, but hey, maybe this is what they were seeing, right? Praise God. Praise God. And, and two, you know, there's, I think we can pack a lot of, a tent's got a big tent. If he puts all the chairs out, I think we can get a lot of people in there. You know, that's our issue here. I can't fit two services into one room with the property, parking, extra children's space, and all that. But wouldn't you like to have a building that big? Just seeding a thought out there. Pray about it. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Okay, I'm, just, I'm not even into the sermon yet. What do we do? How do we train our minds to escape? How do we train our minds? I'm going to give you three things. First of all, you have to know the resources you have. Any great battle commander knows the resources he has. Uh, several years ago while I was pastoring a church in Chesapeake, Virginia, uh, I had a Navy chief in my church. and The Navy chief worked on a destroyer. And he told me a story. He said we were out on the Mediterranean, uh, on tour of the Mediterranean, and we were coming home. And we were getting ready to come through the Suez Canal, and we received a call to turn around and go back to the Persian Gulf for the first desert storm. And he said, we turned that boat around, and he said, I'm in the control room with the captain. And I looked at the captain and said, are you nervous, sir? The captain said, am I nervous? You know how many Tomahawk missiles I'm sitting on? Do you know how much firepower I'm sitting on? I'm not nervous. I love that, don't you? A great battle commander knows what he has in his arsenal. I'm going to give you a couple things maybe you haven't thought about, but let me just preach a little bit before I get there. You know you have the name of Jesus. You know you have the victory that Christ has already won over all the realm of the demonic. You have the victory he's already won over sin. And if you're born again, you're carrying that victory in you. You're sitting on some stuff. You're sitting on some power that you just need to tap into. But, you know, when mankind fell, this is, this is what I, I think the Scripture teaches, that when humanity fell, Adam and Eve fell, the fall affected everything. But one of the things it affected was how we think. It really affected the, the logic of man. And, you know, so we have brilliant people. Some of you in this room are just brilliant, and you do amazing things and all that. But nonetheless, our, 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 our logic, our reasoning is still not perfect. It's still fallen to some extent, right? That's why Paul said in Ephesians, I'm sorry, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he says, for they, meaning humanity, exchanged the truth of God for falsehood. And they worshiped and served the Creator rather than the creature, rather than the creator who's blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. So it's like God was saying, if you want to pursue these things, go for it. I'm trying to pull you back, but if you're that warped and bent, just go for it. 
And he says he gave them over to degrading passions, and then their women exchanged natural relations for that which is contrary to nature. And the men did the same thing. They abandoned natural relations with women and burned in their desire toward one another, males with males, committing shameful acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. I don't need to, I don't need to interpret that for you. It's plain that the fallen logic, fallen reasoning, calloused reasoning has led humanity, the human race, to all kinds of degrading sins. And he said, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Or King James, a reprobate mind. The actual Greek term there means worthless or cast away or rejected. It's like God said, if you want to go and you want to pursue all of this lust and all this wickedness, you go for it and your mind is wasted now. What a way to cheer you up on a Sunday. But with Christ coming, giving his life, redeeming us, God buys back the whole person and starts working through the whole person. And sometimes we think that only salvation affects the spirit, but God wants it to affect all of us, body, soul, and spirit. So Paul says this in Romans 6. He says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead. Okay? Reckon is a hillbilly term. I use it all the time. But it's an old English term. It means consider yourselves. Think of yourselves as dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying that all these, you know, humanity went down one track. That was a track of a depraved mind. But Christ came to buy us back, to turn us around, and to put us back on track. And then he says, because of that, we've become dead to sin in a way. Not saying we're perfect and all that, but we become, through Christ, we've become dead to sin. He says, think of yourselves that way. Then notice this. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Amen. So Paul always went from the... or most of the time went from the indicative tense to the imperative tense, meaning he says, this is who you are, now act this way. It's like telling your kids, hey, you're, you're in the Hess family. You know what that means? It means we act right. It means we have some respect. Now what do you need to do? Don't do that again. Act like who you were born to be. I think it's what Paul's saying. Now that we're dead to sin... Now that we have the power and Christ has conquered the dominion of sin, now how about let's act that way? Let's think that way and act that way. Hang on to your hat because we're going somewhere. So New Testament scholar Craig Keener said it this way. He said, sometimes it's communicated to new believers that they must basically always struggle with temptation and always have this failing going on in their lives. He said, but this idea really truncates Paul's gospel. It's not what Paul really taught. Paul taught the new identity we have in Christ. And the new identity in Christ 
is an identity and it's a person of victory that he describes. It's someone who is an overcomer. Not meaning that we can't fail, not meaning we don't stumble sometimes, but it's coming from a point of victory. We're now not fighting from a point of defeat. We're fighting from a point of victory. So what resources do we have? As great battle commanders, what resources do we have? We're dead to sin and alive to Christ. So when sin comes at you, you know you don't have to bow under its authority. It shall not have dominion over you. You don't have to bow under its authority. You have the authority over it through Christ. Maybe you've never been taught that. I know we're a holiness church and we believe in that. But hey, we've been living this for a while. Been fighting this good fight for a while. Second great resource you have is the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Romans 8, There is therefore now no condemnation. To who? To those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. If you're walking according to the Spirit, you're walking to the, according to the dictates of the Spirit, the Spirit is influencing your thinking and your actions, you're not walking under condemnation anymore. Satan can't put that yoke of condemnation on you. You're free in the Spirit. Know your resources. Somebody say it with me. Know, know your resources. Second thing you need to do to win the battle of the mind and escape is you need a to pre-plan your battle exit. You need to pre-plan your battle escape. You need to think through the battle plan of how you're going to win before you ever face the temptation. Okay? What do we do when we develop a budget? You pre-plan how you're going to spend money. What do you do when you develop a diet plan? You pre-plan how many calories you're going to eat. And why does that cause such laughter among us all? What do you do when you, uh, if you have an issue keeping up with time and you just flit away the time? You get a calendar out. You say, here's what I'm going to do. Tuesday I'm doing this. 12 o'clock, I'm doing this. You start pre-planning your days. You think through beforehand how you're going to operate in life. I think we can say the same thing with fighting spiritual battles and and fighting our way out of temptation. We start pre-thinking, this is going to be my response, and I'm not... And first of all, you come at it from victory. I will not be defeated. Christ is in me. I've already, I'm already an overcomer. I'm a winner before the fight starts. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pre-think my way to victory. Let me use a humorous example. Let's say your weakness in life is double-stuffed Oreos. I mean, they're good. I was, I stayed with my brother this weekend, and he has two, two big dogs, and, uh, They were feeding them vanilla Oreos. And then we would eat one, and the dog would eat one. And and I realized I don't have any of these in my house. And there's a reason why I don't have any of these in my house. Not that they're bad in and of themselves, but if you eat them by the bag, 
maybe you need some discipline in that area of your life. So how do you do that? How do you, you pre-plan, I'm going to food line this evening, and I know where that aisle is. And I'm going to avoid that aisle and just go down the salad aisle. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And I'm, or I'm either going to go down that aisle and just kind of go like this and just look at this side of things. You just pre-plan how to work yourself out of that. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Come on, if your weakness is alcohol and you, you're like, well, I'm okay and I don't give in to that, but when I'm with friends, a certain group of friends, I can't, I can't resist. Well, here's what you need to do. Pre-think your way out of that. Think, well, I'm either not going to get with those friends anymore or I'm going to get with them in other type of settings that I don't have to give in to that kind of temptation. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. If your weakness is gambling, I've talked to guys that just, they just had a weakness with gambling, man. It was really wrecking their lives, wrecking their finances. Well, you know what you do? Don't plan a vacation to the Cherokee Casino. I went there last summer, not to the casino. <laughs> I went to Cherokee, and I stayed the night because I wanted to go hiking. And there were all these people partying. And I thought, what? Oh, shoot. i got a hotel room right across the street from the casino. Just don't do it. If it's such your problem, don't do it. Or you, maybe you go by some of the convenience stores that has a little games. Or maybe the lottery is your issue. Well, let's move on. Pre-think your way around those temptations. And I'm not perfect like I'm the perfect guy telling you how to do it. I'm in this fight with you. But ask yourself some questions. Ask this, how will this action affect me spiritually if I get into this? And, and I don't know, maybe, I don't, I'm just going to throw this out the way I think. Sometimes things aren't an issue of heaven and hell, but sometimes things are an issue of the anointing on my life. That I don't want to compromise the presence and, and anointing that's on my life. And you need to ask yourself, how will this affect my relationship to the Lord? Now, God forgives. Thank God. His mercy is enduring forever. Thank God. But nonetheless, I want to come to God as best I can with a clean heart. And so when I come into communion with God with a clean heart, I don't have to back up 10 spaces and then work through a bunch of stuff to try to get back to the place I was before. I want to leave His presence in my prayer time and come right back in at the level I was at. Come on, somebody. I, I know I've, I learned this principle years ago. We had nine weeks of consistent revival in one of our churches. And we just kept pushing it and kept pushing it. And then every now and then we'd take a couple of days off just, just so we could get a breather. And I'm glad we did that, but nonetheless, when we would come back into service, it would take us a night or two to get back to where we were when we stopped. Because we got to such levels, and sometimes we were praying and fasting and walking into revival. We started, then we started seeing cancers healed, legs grow out, people, people saved by, in scores. I mean, it was amazing. And you just want to push and push and push, and I don't want to have to mess up my relationship with the Lord. Then you need to ask the question, how will this affect my testimony? 
If I get involved in this action, how will it affect those people that I'm witnessing to at the job every day? Or how will it affect uh, the people in my Christian circle, my church? Will it, how will it affect that? I don't, you know, Paul said if something causes my brother to stumble, I won't do it for the rest of my life. He had that kind of heart about wanting his testimony to be clean before others. And then you really need to ask also, will this stuff last through eternity? Will this thing stand the test of time in eternity? Pre-think your battle plan. I just had one of our members instant message me in between services. She had heard my sermon at, at Edenton this morning. And she said, Pastor, I work in an environment where people gossip a lot. She said, so I have a thought-out battle plan when I go to work. And that's if somebody starts driving down that gossip route, I have certain clue, key words that I use to shift the conversation to something else. I was like, come on, girl. Because she didn't want to sit there and listen to people gossip about other people. That should be in the Bible somewhere. I don't know. Third thing is what does any military do? You train, 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 train. You discipline yourself to the new lifestyle. Train, 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 train. Exercise, exercise. Calisthenics, cal push-ups, push-ups, push. Run, 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 run. You train yourself. This is what Paul is saying. He says, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and pleasing, which is your reasonable service. Craig Keener says, how do we do that? He said, really, we do it through our mind. It's through the reasoning of our souls. It's the reasoning of our mind that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. He's using temple analogy here. That when the, the folks would come in the Old Testament to the temple or tabernacle, they would come and they would bring a lamb or they would bring an ox or they would bring a dove. They would bring some living being and then they would sacrifice that on the altar. What was the altar? The altar was a just a big, huge grill. Literally. And they would... They would Slaughter the animal, put the certain parts on the altar. And I guarantee you, no sacrifice ever walked off the altar. So when you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, Paul is saying offer your body as a living sacrifice. That means give it up, go, let it go to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. It's, it's His now. And, and you're not going to get up and walk off. Stay on the altar and let that be holy and pleasing and acceptable to Him. And what starts happening then? Then God starts working on the reasoning. He starts working on the logic, the logikos here. He starts working, working on how you think about things and you start thinking about things differently. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This world is literally, it doesn't mean this world, the lakes and the trees and the, the animals. No, it means this present age, this way of thinking, this present world system. Don't conform yourself to the present world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your thinking. So now you start thinking like the other age that you're walking into. So to Paul, the world is passing away. 
The current age, the aeon in, in, in the original language, is passing away with its values and its sin and its corruption. All of that is in the process of passing away. But with Jesus, he has ushered in the new system called the kingdom of God. And now that new system is crashing in on us, and we're going to ultimately see the full manifestation of it when he comes again. And so let's gear our minds to start thinking in the age to come instead of the age that is passing away. If you get nothing else, get that today. That is powerful. Okay, so start thinking like the age to come and not like the age that is passing away. And then as you do that and your mind is transformed and renewed, you, and you know this, when you get saved, this is what I think happens. You know, we confess and we repent. Okay, confession happens with the mouth and the confession is very important. But repentance is a turning. So repentance is like this. I'm walking this way. Now I turn and I start walking this way. It's a 180 and it happens in the heart, in the center of one's person, in the soul. The spirit of man turns toward God. And then God enlightens you. He brings His truth, His life, His light into your, your, your heart. And then your mind is awakened. And you start thinking differently. Come on, how many of you can raise your hands and say, I started thinking differently when I got saved? I mean, God, you start thinking, God comes into you. And you start thinking differently. But, but you're just beginning in this new life. So what does he say to do? Train, 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 train. Put the Word of God in you. Fellowship with other believers. Worship. Pray. Use the authority and power God has given you. Live a holy life. Overcome temptation. Have accountability partners. Live, live, live. Take in. Train, train, train. And as you do that, you become more and more able to discern this is wrong this is right. I should be involved in this. I shouldn't be involved in this. This is of Satan. This is of the Holy Ghost. As you grow and train and train and learn and immerse yourself in the things of God, God starts adding that power behind your living. And as you do that, you become more and more adept at escaping temptation. You should become more and more adept at escaping temptation because you know, listen, I've been in this thing too long and Satan, it's too late for you to come and tell me that, that I should do this or that. I'm not getting involved in that and I'm not giving in to that. I'm going to stay in this highway God has called me to and I'm going to live this. I used this analogy this morning at the 9 o'clock. I said it's like, it's like the old way of thinking, the old system is like driving on a country road with no white lines and potholes, and dead possum, and cows that you have to dodge. But God says, I have another highway for you. It's a six-lane interstate. No cars are on it. No potholes. I want you to get up here and ride this way. Get rid of the old way of thinking and get over into the new way of thinking, the thinking that there is dominion over sin, that Satan has been defeated, that, there shall, that God has given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Come on, get on that highway. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. 
You say, well, Pastor Hans, I just can't, I just, there's sometimes temptation just overtakes me, and I just can't, I just can't resist it. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you put yourself in certain situations, it is difficult. That's why you need to pre-think that plan. I'm going to use pornography as an example. If you guys or gals hit a porn site, it's going to be extremely difficult for you to get out of that thing because you've opened the door. And now those images are going to pull on your lusts. And now you're into a spiritual battle, man. So how do you get out of it? You pre-think beforehand how you're going to get around that thing. If you got apps on your phone, that eliminate them. If you need to lock your computer down, lock your computer down. If you know how to remove the, the locks, get somebody smarter than you. Confess, confide in a friend. Tell them to pray for you. Get out of that thing. Don't get, don't get, because there's victory here. I'm not beating you up. I'm trying to tell you, man, God's going to give you victory over this thing. Victory is your destiny. Come on, dominion over sin is your destiny. Dominion over the kingdom of Satan is your destiny. You can get out of this thing. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. And we could go on through the laundry list. I won't do that. I'll just use that as an example. If you get caught in the wrong thing, man, it's very difficult to back out of that. Get out now and get out soon. As I think about the story of, of Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife was pulling on him, trying to take him to bed with her, you know, I just think it, it said he ran. I just think he didn't stay around for a half an hour thinking, gosh, I should run. <laughs> but she's really beautiful. I don't think he did that. I think as soon as that happened, he's like, Phew. he's out. He didn't give it time to set up in his flesh. Because, see, God doesn't tempt us. The Bible says we're tempted when we're drawn away by our own lusts. So if you open the door for those lusts, it starts pulling on you, and you're trying everything in you, and it's like tractor beam, Star Trek. Immediately run. Immediately get out of it. Don't let that thing hold you down. Can someone shout hallelujah? Come on, say it. Be transformed. Start thinking like the new age you're walking into. Start thinking like the kingdom that has come into us. And we're going to see after a while in full measure. Hallelujah. And in the kingdom, you, you conquer these things. In the kingdom, they you know what? I think we belittle ourselves too much. And we think, I'm just a poor, lowly sinner. I have no power, no authority. I'm just going to scrape along and drag my knuckles like a Neanderthal all the way to heaven. But when I get to heaven, it's going to be great. No, you can have victory right now. You can have victory right now. Change your thinking. God has come to give you power, to give you authority, to give you a way out. He said he's always going to be faithful. He will always make a way out. Why? Because he wants you to be the most effective fighting soldier that you could possibly be. What happens when a, I used the Marines last, last week. What happens when a Marine, when a young boy or young girl goes to the Marine Corps? Well, the boy, they set him aside to shave his head. Put on a uniform. Give him 18 seconds to take a shower. Obey every command. 
Start doing push-ups. Start running. Start, you, you start, you, we're going to take you out of the old system and the old way of thinking, and we're going to put you in the new kingdom with a new way of thinking so you can be effective in the battle that you're going into. It's kind of what like it's kind of like what God does. He takes you out, says, "Now I'm going to start working on you. I'm going to start training you, and I'm going to bring you into the new system so you can start thinking in new ways, so I can use you." Can somebody shout, "Amen"? Come on, say it with me. Know your resources. Have a battle plan. And then finally, just absolutely realize that you have to discipline and train and train and train. So let me close it down. We're going to pray with this. But what if I fall? You're talking like Pastor Hans that none of us fail and we can reach sinless perfection in this life. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is if you do fall, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous who forgives us of all sin. You can go to your lawyer, you're a defense attorney, and you can say, I've goofed up and I've messed up. Go before the courts of heaven and represent me, and I'll come away clean. Hallelujah, I'm going to repent, and I'm going to get it all out. What if I fall again? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who's going to pick you up and rescue you. What if I fall again? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the right. Well, how long does God's mercy last? I don't know. The Bible says his mercy is everlasting, that every morning his mercy is new. He doesn't have to be refreshed. Oil doesn't have to be changed. Tires don't have to be rotated. Windshield doesn't have to be clean. God is eternally merciful, eternally full of grace. Just come back to the Father. Don't lay down in the failure. Don't lay down in the mess, but get up and let God strengthen you. Let God rescue you. Let God breathe life back into you. You may have failed a hundred times. Well, the hundred and first time, brother, you may conquer it with God's help and God's power and say, I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together and give him a shout. I remember the story of Elisha. That Elisha, the, the, the army was coming to arrest him. And Elisha's just as cool as a cucumber. And but his servant sees all of the army coming after him. And he gets all nervous. And he's like, Elisha, did you see these people outside? What's going to happen to us? Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes that he might see. And the servant looked out, and then all of a sudden he saw in the spirit realm all of the angels and chariots of God all gathered around, far outnumbering the physical enemy. And then all Elisha had to do was speak a word, and blindness came on every one of his enemies. I'm telling you, man, if we could just see in the spirit realm today and all of the help and all of the artillery we have and all of the authority we have, we would realize we don't have to scrape through this spiritual existence, but we can go with victory in our hearts, a shout in our voice, a dance on our step. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody stand on your feet and just give him a praise in here.
there was a lady working in deliverance ministry, and she got a call saying, "We've this. There's been a lady, and she's a, she's so called a bride of Satan." Trained her whole life to be offered as a sacrifice to Satan in a satanic cult. Would you pray for her? The lady said, yeah, we'll pray for her. And she has a deliverance team that works with her. They started fasting. They started praying. And she said, I watched the testimony. She said, as the, as the lady pulled up in the neighborhood, she felt it. And her testimony was this. The lady walked through the door and no one opened it. The door just blew open on its own and she walked in. Talk about freaky. And this lady who's a deliverance minister said, I stood up and ran right up to her and pointed my finger in her face and said, Not today, Satan. Not today. They cast every demon out of that lady. She fell on the floor, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They put her under an assumed name and started discipling her. And I traced her down a few years later and found her testimony. You know what she said? She said, me and another a girl from our satanic cult, we used to go to Christian services and curse the preachers. Yeah, I just talked to a friend of mine uh, Friday on the phone. Pastor's a large church. And we were talking about a certain issue. And he said, I had a coven of witches come against me. And it, it's, it's a real deal. She said, we used to go and show up and just curse the preachers or find weaknesses in their life. So one day they showed up at a Benny Hinn meeting. She said it was a basketball arena filled with people. And we sat in the nosebleed. And if you'd ever been in any Benny, of Benny's meetings back in the day, he would come out to how great thou art. I mean, this dramatic way. She said he walked out on stage and said, there are two Satanists in the upper deck and God says your curses have no authority among this group of people. <laughs> and said, one of you's going to get saved. And they got scared and ran out. And that girl couldn't get it out of her mind and went and sought for help. And that's how she got delivered and set free. Come on. If we just understood the authority and power that Christ has given us. Come on, say it with me. There's always a door. There's always a victory. There's always a way out. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise and give him a shout. Thanks so much for watching us online. Uh, we're so blessed to, to live in an era where we can come to you uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I want to close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now, but especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in. I believe Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart. I repent of all my sin. And I ask Jesus into my life right now. 
And I thank you that my sins are gone. And I thank you that my life has changed. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online. I hope to see you again.